0: This morning I invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 as we work through our series called Road Through Romans. As you can see, it'll take some time to get through that road. But uh, we've got a few more verses to expound on this morning. I have this question here up on the screen because... Lately, we've just been going through Paul's introduction of what the good news actually is—the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, one and the same. Uses from God in verse one, and from Jesus Christ in the other. But why is it good news? Because my question this morning is: Can there be good news if there is no bad news? Like, take for instance. I come up here this morning and tell you I bought a car. And you might think, good for you, Tim. whoop de doo Great. Happy for you. But then, let's just say the last few weeks I've been telling you, oh, my car has not been going too well. My car has been terrible. It's been stalling. It's been um, just having troubles every single day. It's terrible, and then I come to this morning and say, "Hey guys, guess what? I bought a new car." And you'd be probably be more happy for me. It's good news. Why? Because of the bad news you've been hearing. And the same is with the gospel. It's good news because there's also bad news. The bad news is, interestingly enough, Paul talks about it for quite a number of chapters. Not too many. Let's just say he's going to start now and end in around the middle of chapter 3 before any more good news comes. Before we actually probably understand, fully comprehend what this good news actually means for us. Even though I, I give him credit, he's done a pretty good introduction for expounding on What actually is the good news of Jesus Christ? What actually is the gospel? And we left off last week by saying, we have been made the righteousness of God. How? Just by believing in Jesus Christ. Believing that Jesus died on the cross to take our punishment of sin... On himself, by believing in that, we are made right with God, we have been approved unto God, and nothing because it gets better. nothing takes that away and as, for some reason there 's lots of debate about that in the Christian world and it 's like our good news goes out the window it 's like. People are saying, yes, belief in Jesus Christ is what makes you right with God, but you've got to make sure that you're baptized. But you've got to make sure that you continually do the right thing. You've got to make sure that you never, ever do that sin over there that's unforgivable. And we have these unpardonable sins. And our good news goes out the window. And by the way, the only unpardonable sin is unbelief. It's the only sin because you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Therefore, your good news is gone. This morning, I want to cover a few verses, just as an introduction of these next significant passages that Paul goes into. And my summation of this passage is that everyone, this is what I believe Paul is saying Every single person here on earth that's been born and that's going to be born needs to hear the good news. This good news is not just for a select few people. It affects every single human being. And so we get straight away into a touchy subject, this bad news which we call the wrath of God. Paul leaves, leaves us in verse 17, saying, The just shall live by faith. We are justified by our faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God. Not many people like to speak about the wrath of God. I had no choice since it's the next verse. But there's a lot of misconceptions I feel people have against the wrath of God. Today, I just want you just to think about someone that you might have spoken to lately. When they think about God and he's all loving Usually the number one question that we come across is this. How can a loving God send people to hell? The number one misconception right here is they associate the wrath of God as opposite to the love of God. And that's a mistake. Because the opposite of wrath or well, let's say God's judgment, God's anger, is not love. The opposite of love is hate. I propose to you this morning that the opposite of wrath is neutrality. Or put it plainly, to do nothing. And God cannot sit back and do nothing. Because that would violate his attributes. That would violate his attribute of being holy. Because someone who is holy cannot just look at sin and do nothing. We're told in scriptures that God is actually angry towards sin. He hates sin. He cannot stand sin. He is offended every time. An unbeliever sins. Now I said unbeliever on purpose. Because when we sin as believers, as those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, if he looks down on you and says, oh, I'm so disappointed in you, (laughs) then that that our righteousness has gone out the window the way he approves is, is just gone out the window and people have a hard time believing this understanding this but when it comes to sin there has to be a punishment there has to be a consequence otherwise god would not be holy Going into this verse, it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So what is it against? Why is there the wrath of God? It's for all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Now, you could be safe in, in using those terms synonymously. Okay? However, if you want to go a bit deeper, you could distinguish them in saying that Ungodliness refers to your lack of reverence towards God or your wickedness towards God in God's perspective. Unrighteousness, on the other hand, is your wickedness towards people. Your wickedness perceived by people. And you say, what? And I still don't see a difference. Well, let's take, for instance, a normal Joe out there living in Harvey Bay. He's the best guy that you could ever know. And when I say guy, I won't be sexist. I'll say go or guy, okay? Male or female, you might know them. They're the best person out there, the most goodest person out there that you know. They, they give to charity. They volunteer their time. They're doing everything. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear a swear word or a, a, anything negative come out of their mouths. But they don't believe in God. They don't have any godliness. So, in in God's mind, or from God's perspective, and again, this is very hard to explain because this is still from our perspective. From God, they're still ungodly, are they not? Because what they're doing, let's just say they're doing all the good deeds in the world, but are they doing it as a glorification to God? No. So they're still ungodly. But their righteousness, from a human perspective, from man's perspective, saying, oh, they're, they're, they're doing quite well. They're, they're, they're actually quite a good person. So if you want to distinguish those two, when you look at the Greek... Yes, that's where it's coming from. But either way, they're suppressing the truth. They're holding on to it. And, and that's the King James Version. That's why I used a different version here. I love the word suppress. Or, actually I couldn't see a version that, um, that would be the way that I would translate it myself. I would say they block out. The the truth. They they, they just say no. They suppress it. And we're going to get into more of that, say, how do they know the truth? And their truth, well, they suppress it in unrighteousness. So this is what I believe Paul might be saying is, why, asking the question, why don't people want to believe in a God? Well, if God exists, what does it mean? What happened? Well, they would be accountable. they would be accountable for what happens here on earth. And I'm, I, I, if you have a conversation with someone, I reckon when it comes down to it, with someone's belief, want, not wanting to believe in God, I reckon they don't want to be accountable. They don't want to believe in this wrath of God. But then I thought more about this, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And I thought, I thought about all those humanitarians out there who don't believe in God. And I came across this one. And probably You can't probably read that, read that uh, without squinting, but I will read it out to you. I just came across a person's blog, and it's called The Humanitarian Atheist. And this is what I think we're... There's a few people like this person out there that, you know, we have a responsibility to to minister to. But he he talks about something like this. I can't even read it myself. I said, my wife and I, I just um, borrowed an excerpt of his blog, by the way. He goes, my wife and I have dedicated our lives to humanitarian work to better the lives of those around us. We believe that our time is precious and finite, so our motivation is that. And we get one chance to make the absolute most of our short lives. My personal search for meaning in the world has led me to one conclusion. There are far more good people than bad. And we are all in this together. So in 2016, this guy was over in Ghana. um, Just... Helping the the local communities there. We have to help each other, he continues. Along with that, I choose to live an evidence-based life. To my religious friends, I respect your right to have faith and believe in the unseen, but I simply cannot. If tangible evidence of a God was presented to me tomorrow, I would acknowledge it. Here's the thing, though. I actually don't put that much thought into it. I generally don't worry too much about the question of God. My atheism is no more important to me than the fact I am a supporter of Liverpool Football Club or that I enjoy blueberry pancakes. It's just another facet of who I am. This post is the most I've ever written about it. So here's a guy. He's doing all the good things in the world. Bobby Better than each and every one of us. Put together. True humanitarian. And what's his motivation? Just to better the life of someone else because our time here on earth is finite. This guy's righteousness, from our perspective, would be up there. But his ungodliness would obviously be down. And so I don't fully believe this guy. to the fact that, yes, I believe that's probably the most he's written on, but I don't believe he's given it any thought. I believe there's been a time, because he said he was brought up in even the Bible Belt in America. I'm sure there would have been a time in his life when these thoughts would be going through his mind, and he's questioning, is there a God? And I believe that's true because of verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, and I specifically use a simpler translation here than what my King James says, but because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. In other words, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. God has made plain to us all what he wants us to know. Now that comes in stages. But first of all, it starts with creation. Have this question in the back of your minds. What about the people who have never heard of Jesus? This is another people, uh, question people ask. I say, oh, God's all loving. What about people who have never heard of Jesus? What about them? Since what may be known about God is um, plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, all right? Um, I'm going to just distract, not get distracted with this one. Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, God's eternal power and divine nature In other words, his Godhead, his divinity, have been clearly seen because they are understood through the things God has made. So humans are without excuse. It's probably the number one verse that we we know of when we look at unbelievers. They don't have an excuse. Why? Because the first stage that God makes something plainly known to them is through what? creation. That's why the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14, 1. You have to become a fool in order to believe there is no God. Now why is that? Well, just look at creation. When you look at everything, and there's so much, there is so much about creation that shows that there is a design behind it and with any design behind something there has to be a designer there has to be a designer so I just want to talk about one thing that convinces me that there's a God but even though there's so much right there's so much even in the, the when you talk about there is Passages in the Bible that talks about stuff that we discovered later after the Bible. For instance, the world hanging up in hanging in space. We, when the Bible was written, they couldn't know known that without the telescopes that we had these days, without the technology. But here's one, for instance, this one. Can you guess what I'm going to say? I have a picture here of the earth rotating on its axis. Does anyone know the degree to what the earth is rotated on its axis? Anyone? Sorry? Five. No. It has a five in it. Well, for some. 23.5 is what a person judging a trivia contest would say. However, the exact is 23.44. And while the, while the Earth orbits around the Sun, the, 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 the tilt changes a little bit as far as uh, 22.5, I think it is, to, or maybe 21, to, um, to 24, okay? Now, why I say that is just to say we have this big bang and we have all this stuff happen, and then all of a sudden, the Earth formed to an exact place, tilted, where because of it, the, without, the, the, without the, um, the, the tilt, we wouldn't have it the seasons. If it was tilted a bit more this way, then we would freeze, or it would become too hot, Tilted that way, then we wouldn't be able to live as well. I'm just thinking about this Big Bang, and, and for that to happen with the world just the way it is, what are the chances? What are the chances to believe that that was happened by accident? You you have to you have to be a fool. And so it comes back to that verse 18 of they suppress the truth. They block it out. Now, I have these questions here. Because what about the people who have never heard of Jesus? Because we have tribes over wherever, Papua New Guinea or, you know, it's probably still somewhere in Africa, that haven't heard of Jesus. Maybe you're stuck in a Muslim country and you never heard of Jesus, because it's illegal to talk about Jesus. But I'm just convinced, I'm convinced that God will judge you on what you have been, or what he has revealed to you. Now, being in a Muslim country, is that a good excuse to not? Well, I say no, because I hear plenty of testimonies from Muslims who have converted to Christianity Saying, when I'm bowing down to, to in prayer to this God five times a day, something's going through my mind saying, is this how it's meant to be? Is this all it is? When I hear testimonies of people coming to know Jesus Christ and, and they've never heard of him back in the day, when they were growing up, well, what went through their minds? Well, they looked at where they were in the world. They, 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 they came to the conclusion that all this stuff happening—well, what? I don't. We're we're having a winter every single year, and we don't even have to, you know, there's no, there's no chance of it not happening. It's happening every single year. The order, orderliness in the world—you have to think. Now, who? Did, why am I here? Is this just that happened by accident? And then we have stories in the Bible. People like Lydia in Acts chapter 16. She was noted as being a God-fearer. She wasn't a Jew, but somehow she got to the company of being in Jews and then later became the first convert in Europe. Was she saved then with those Jews? No. But her reasoning with the world, her, her, her background, her, her thinking, her thoughts, of there has to be something more. And I'm missing it. And, I, and this can be described in so many, um, so many ways. But the point I'm saying is this. What may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And it will be go in stages. I also use this argument too on why, let's just say, my six-week-old child will be going to heaven. He won't be going to hell. Because according to Scriptures, he'll be going to hell. Why? Because everyone is born into sin. So, he's not saved. And if he dies now, well, someone might say, he's not saved. But has God made plain to him what is already known? And my question would be no, because he cannot comprehend it yet. Oh, i got four more minutes. Is it easier for someone in Australia to become a Christian? I was thinking about this last week. Because my kid is coming home. I haven't, I haven't told him the gospel yet. But he's coming home and he's singing songs about Jesus because they do it at school. He's, he's, I, we just had a photography session the other week and there was a little girl there. There was a child of the photographers. <laughs> and it's like um, they were talking about something on the ground and then Griff was saying some, something like, um, oh, isn't it cool that God made that? And she goes, what? God didn't make that. And Griff goes, well, who made it then? And she goes, Mother Nature made it. All right? So compare this. He's exposed, continually exposed to the word of God. But let's just say someone in another country. They're exposed just to Muslims. I right, what, what I'm saying is with this question, I, I think it's, it is easier for someone in Australia to do it. Why? Because we're blessed enough to be in a country that's been founded on these godly principles, on, on Christian principles. Yeah, we're, we're deteriorating, but we have an opportunity still. I can still send my son to a Christian school and, and not have it be illegal. I just, I, it's, just, it's just, I just included that in there just to some, for something to think about, and it might come in conversation later because I saw someone nodding um, no already, but um, that, that's all okay. All right. So, um, just a few more verses, because having the knowledge of God, and this this is just describing the people Uh, The many types of people I believe Paul talks about with humans all throughout the ages suppressing the truth of God. Because having the knowledge of God, okay, so everyone's got the knowledge of God in reality because creation says there is a designer, there is a God. They did not give glory to God as God and did not give praise, but their minds were full of foolish things. This goes off of what we've been saying Foolish things and their hearts, being without sense, were made dark. They profess to be wise. And in that, they become fools. Because this is another issue that we come across. is When you think of an atheist, not that one that's famous, you wouldn't dare debate them because they're so smart. They're so learned. They're so researched in their stuff. More researched than I would ever be. They're professing to be wise. But in reality, they become fools because of what they have concocted up in their minds. Their philosophy, their human philosophy. And this is what um, That's what I believe Paul's talking about here, of foolish things in their hearts. Foolish things, um, foolish thoughts, foolish philosophies. Profess to be wise, they become fools, and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. So before I read any further, I believe this is talking about another person, a religious person. A person, yes, who comes to the understanding, maybe there is a God, but I'm going to worship something else other than the true living God. And so what do people do when they worship or make a God? Well, usually does it not become in the form of a corruptible man, okay, and of birds. Think of all the religions that worship birds. You might not know any of by heart, but there are quite a few. Four-footed animals, Think of all the religions that worship four-footed animals. Think of all the religions that worship crawling creatures. Some translations say snakes. But crawling creatures. We, I just did some interesting reading on Hindus. I didn't realize they're not allowed to kill flies because it's against their beliefs. Bugs of any kind. There's quite a few religions out there. They're worshipping these things. And so the interesting thing I find is a great, expo- a great um, contrast Poor uses. Incorruptible God for a corruptible form. All these things are corrupt. That we know, obviously. But in today's society that we live in, for instance, Harvey Bay, they're not worshipping these things, are they? No. What are they worshipping? Everyone has to worship something, right? Yeah. But what it comes down to is they're really worshipping themselves. They're doing what they want. It's all to do with what makes them happy. And that could be in the form of sport. Could be in the form of sex. Could be in the form of education. Could be in the form of anything and everything, as you said. So my conclusions this morning, as I wrap up, is God must hate sin to be holy. And therefore, there has to be the wrath of God. If there was not the wrath of God, if there was no wrath, then we could not call him holy. God doesn't force his love on anyone. In the end, he gives them what they want. Isn't that true? Like The question is, why would a loving God send people to hell? Well, he's not sending you to hell. He's just taking you somewhere that you wanted to go in the first place. And that is, you didn't want to be with God. Separation from God. That's all hell is. Separation from God. Yes, there does come some torment with it. But, and it is, no more could you call on the name of the Lord. No more could you say, Lord, help me, get me out of this. You get what you wanted. What love is it if He forces it on you? Then we wouldn't be human, we'd all be robots. God is just and will judge on what he has made known to them. And man will worship something. It's in our our being. We're made to worship something. But the question is, what will you worship? And I'll leave you with that question this morning. Will it be God or will it be something that involves the pleasing of yourself? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made it plain to us. On everything that we need to know from you, we thank you that you revealed your love to us. We thank you that we can freely respond to it without fear of Anyone threatening to kill us? Threatening to put us in jail like we know is the truth in other countries right now? We just thank you we live in a country that's blessed, that hasn't counted you out fully. Where we can worship you freely. And we just want to just praise you this morning for knowing what is truth and that there actually is truth and that the truth is that Jesus Christ saves us from all unrighteousness. And we just ask and thank you for these, these truths in Jesus' name, amen.